Well, happy Merry Christmas Day after. For those who are online sitting at home and concerned about coming because of the uh, Omicron virus and just everybody wants to be safe because there's more to your life than just this moment. But we're here together online and here and we want to be uh, mindful of the fact that we are called to join the church around the world this morning to celebrate and, and worship Christ. <clears throat> but as we go into this this. Uh, this sermon, there's something just in particular that's on my heart. I think that it's so easy to be a consumer and passive and be a receptor of the good blessings. And yet, there's something more that God is doing than just entertaining us or blessing us. And so the idea that when you talk about salvation coming, and this is what these, this Advent wreath is all about, is that God has come to give things to us, but you become a candle. You become a torch of grace. And as you move out in the world, you also begin to reflect some things. But you're walking in a world of darkness. And so I've called this sermon a, a new light for old darkness. Because as you get into the issues of people's lives, you'll find that the, the issues are always the same. Since Adam, uh, we all have walked in a world without God in it. And we use ourselves as a reference point, and we don't hear or see as he hears and sees. Uh, last <coughs> Christmas Eve, I was mentioning, uh, just to review these points, that God we know is a creator God. He created you, he created me, he created everything around us. He created Satan, he created COVID, he created everything that is, and all that is is under his reign and sovereign control. We know that. But I mentioned, too, in Genesis that when God would look at the creation, he'd say, this is good. He said, this is good. And the judgment would be, this is good. And God is an affirming creator. He loves what he creates. He enjoys what he creates. He enjoys you. But as he moves towards you and me and all of creation, God is not just creating it and setting it on its own. He's deeply involved. And that's why we as Christians believe that our God is not silent. Our God is not paralyzed. Our God is not handicapped. But he's quite capable of moving in and recreating that which is needing repair. But we looked at last week, we said that God is a communicator. And he said to the darkness, God spoke, let there be. And by his word, the heavens were made, and by his word, light penetrates the darkness. God communicates, and therefore understand that he is a personal God, wanting to share with you intimately his thoughts, his feelings, his longings, his desires, because he's not just a statue or energy force. or He's a person with a name, with ideas. And so to connect with Christ is to connect in a personal way that you understand and know him. And that's what we looked at last week, that he not only communicates who he is, but he communicates how he thinks about you and me. And I think this is the toughest issue, that you would really understand that grace, getting used to grace, is my measure for the Christian life, because we don't know and are not comfortable with that kind of overwhelming love. But the love of God, to, for you to re, really rest and rejoice and, and feel secure, 
That's his purpose. That we know that he is a lover. And we talked last week that there's nothing you can do, not one thing to increase his love for you. Nothing you can do to decrease his love for you. Because you can't touch the character of a holy God. But the holy God can touch your character. And therefore, to understand that God is a lover, he's a mover, he's a giver, and he will give to you salvation, translated life in relationship with Christ. And so to know God is to know life, and to know salvation is to know God. And therefore, all that we're celebrating is the fact that we become people made new. God by nature is good, and he cannot change his nature. God, by his good nature, imparts that good nature to you, and you become good. And therefore, we understand the, the, the mystery and the meaning of, of, of Christianity is that God is with us. Not only is he with us to do something uh, with us, but he's in us to do something through us. And through us, we have a, a calling, a calling to discover. Well, this picture didn't come out, but you... You saw on the news that uh, there's a new telescope going up in space. It's the James Webb telescope, and it unfolds, but it's a hundred times more powerful than the Hubble telescope. It's an amazing piece of of technology that just... If you've been to NASA, and I I love to do this, and I've been to NASA and Houston and Florida, and it, it just thrills me to think about God creating these stars and they're going out there. Well, this, this telescope is the most ambitious and complex space science telescope ever constructed. Now notice the goals were to tackle uh, the mysteries of our solar system. Imagine putting this little piece out there and it's going to go farther uh, into our solar system studying the distant worlds around the stars and beyond our sun but it's going to look back at the origins of the universe. Well, I got good news. I don't have to go out that far. I've got it right here. I got it right here because we have an explanation of the God who communicates, the God who creates, God who moves towards us. And so we have a tackling the same mystery. If you believe in Christmas and you believe that the Holy Spirit was the one who made uh, this baby in the manger. It was God becoming man. That mystery. It's a mystery. If you, if you believe in Christmas, then you take the next extension. That God came to indwell this baby. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell you and me. If you don't believe this, you won't believe that. But the mystery is, it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. And so, as Paul would say, as you understand this gift of salvation, means it's a gift of life, it's a gift of empowerment, it's a gift of enlightenment, it's a gift of having a, a whole new realm of being that's beyond your universe. And that's what Paul says in uh, Colossians one twenty seven, And we proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man, bringing every man that it, the Gentiles to understand that it is Christ in you. Gentile, Jew. And so this, this idea that, 
that God is going to tackle this mystery, reveal the mystery that you have new life in Christ. The second thing is, as as the Tubble, as a as the uh, James Weber telescope is going to study distant worlds around stars beyond our sun. Likewise, the Holy Spirit will take you beyond your universe, beyond your sun, to look into other worlds. And so we find that the Holy Spirit will push us out of our world into engaging other people's universes. And the idea for us is what Paul said in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, have Uh, Do nothing from selfish ambition or or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Wow, what a gift. What a Christmas gift. That you have the mind of Christ. And that mind of Christ will enable you to engage other worlds as Christ came down to incarnate to engage us in our worlds. So the Spirit of God will give us that same ability to move into somebody else's world and us being other-centered. Likewise, as the telescope is also looking back at the origins, we also look back at our origins in the Scriptures. And so we know that according to Genesis, Jack out of the box, you've got that passage in Genesis one twenty six that God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, male and female, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Man reflecting God. Woman reflecting God. That's the origin. That's the purpose. That's the design. Well, this mystery, this mystery revealed, uh, is to be discovered as, as that telescope is out looking. Oh, I've got a mystery for you. Uh, it's a strange mystery. You would never hear this mystery. It's, I don't know which tub of cookies on my desk was, I don't know where the crumbs came from, but as I was straightening up my desk, I happened to see little droppings. What are those? Uh-oh. And some little mouse has come to make a visit on my desk and ate a cookie and some deposits. Well, last night when I went home, I set two traps with cheese. I came in this morning, one trap is there. The other trap, it's a mystery. I don't know where it went, but I'm gonna go find that where that trap is. But it's uh, mysteries are something you don't know, and it takes effort to go look out, to go discover. So that's the Christian life. You have to take action and be um, moving to find out if you want some answers. Have you seen the movie The Shack? Uh, there's a story, a part of that story, it's a story about forgiveness, it's a story about struggling to discover the goodness of God in the midst of real terror and horrible evil. His daughter was kidnapped. 
been uh, taken away and died. Meeting God in this cabin, uh, this scene talks about Mackenzie standing with wisdom, personified of God, and they're having a conversation, and he's, he can't believe all this thing, <clears throat> understand all that God is doing. So he goes out and sits on the porch, and wisdom comes out right behind him. And, and they're looking up at that bird. See that little bird in the corner? And wisdom says, he's a beauty, isn't it? Created to fly. You, on the other hand, were created to love. Living unloved is like clipping a bird's wing. Hmm. As you tackle and study and explore what this means, the purpose that your life has is to reflect Christ, to love like Christ, to think like Christ, to move like Christ, to create these things like Christ for beauty and for glory, for goodness. This all comes out of that relationship. And when wisdom says your wings are clipped, you can't fly, Mackenzie. You can't love, Mackenzie. But that's why wisdom came. Created for flying in his love. And the problem is, we look in the wrong places to be fulfilled, to be loved. The worst case scenario is you get into marriage. Where you end up starting with love and then love dying. And it ends up becoming a transaction. Where you just have an agreement to not go any farther and just kind of stagnate or die. It happens. I know one man who uh, thought he had to buy his wife's love. No matter what she wanted for Christmas, she always got it. But it was just, wasn't after Christmas. It was all the way through the year. She needed, wanted a new carpet. He got her a new carpet. She wanted a new Jeep. She, he got her a Jeep. He, she wanted a, a CB player. Back then, he got, because she was in the ham radio and CB. Whatever, whatever she wanted, he thought... He had to get it for her. She was using him. Finally realized she didn't love him. And they got a divorce. One of the worst divorces left the scar to this day. You see, you were supposed to be a fountain of love, to give off love. But when you start loving things, you start using people. And therefore that distorts and destroys your ability to fly. Well, for us, we follow the Old Testament and the New Testament. When God said to Israel, it's something that we just tend to think selfishly about being loved. But when God said to Israel in Isaiah, the passage that you read, Joetta, he said, it's too small a thing for you to understand just, I want you to serve me, Israel. It's too small to think it's just you and me, Israel. I just don't want you for me. It's too small a thing to restore your family, your tribes of Jacob. It's too small just to bring back those that you care about of Israel. I'll keep this group together. But it's too small because I want to make you go beyond your universe. I want to make you a light for those who are outside your universe, those Gentiles that you don't know that my salvation may reach to the ends of the universe, ends of the earth.
And so what you have in this story from McKenzie to learn to fly in love is to imitate the love of God that he has for us. I wanted to share one thing with you. This is a, a side note coming back around, but last week three people came into this church. I won't mention the denomination, but when they came in, one was last night, and one was two was this week, and they said the same, same thing that made me think about something. One person said, your church has the Christmas tree and it has the candles and it has an empty cross, a small cross. That's not the way we do it in our church. Another person said, um, this is a crappy Christmas. My, my grandsons won't get any Christmas gifts and started to complain about how bad it was at Christmas and she has lots of issues going on, but she came into the church. She said, this is, some, this is so simple. This is so simple here. It's just empty, kind of. And the third person said, uh, it's amazing to me that when you guys talk about church, this isn't what I imagined church to be. But when she came and saw an empty church, uh, she had the vision. She had an image of what church should be, and we didn't fit that image. Well, that made me think about different ways people communicate and talk. And so let me go back to something I brought up before. And it's something about what uh, we pray in the Lord's Prayer. So let me do a little roundabout here. You know, different churches pray and differently. And different churches have different representations. And the images that you see, and, and, and one church didn't have statues. We don't have statues. But this church had, happened to have statues. But there are differences in all these churches. There was a man from the, a John Piper's group, Desiring God, John Bloom. He said, said it this way. And you'll see the difference. I want to bring out this one difference. He says, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, now we do it as, as uh, Christians, but you may not know, uh, you've seen this prayer before. Of course you know this prayer. But have you ever been in a different church or different place where you stutter, stumble over one word? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our... That didn't say trespasses. It says debts. Why do we say debt and another church says trespasses? You ever thought about that? <laughs> well, it's interesting because how you read that passage depends... Depends upon how you read the scriptures according to your tradition. The tradition is there are three ways. There are three ways we pray that prayer. They pray, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, and some groups say, forgive us of our sins. Well, why, why the difference? Well, one is that if you're Presbyterian, if you're Reformed, if you're Baptist, uh, you will, by tradition, use the word debt. But other translations from Tyndale on would, would use the word trespasses. The Anglican, the Episcopal, the Methodist, the Catholic, 
will use the word trespasses. And another group, the ecumenical liturgical groups, will sometimes use the word sins. Well, does it make a difference? Yes, it does. And the actual, actual meaning is trespass. But we don't hear that because of our traditions. And so let me just share real briefly, because it ties into the message. For, for Matthew, Matthew uses a special word uh, when it means that you've gone too far. To trespass is not the same thing as a debt. They used to have debtor's prison. If you pay your debt, you're out of there. But we don't do that anymore. But what we do, we go into bankruptcy, so you're protected that way. But, but the idea that there is a debt, it was a financial and economic way of getting forgiveness, that you go and you pay off your debt. That's not the message of Christ. The message of Christ is you've gone too far and you've trespassed. You've offended way beyond just doing the financial indebtedness that you owe. It's a fact that there's something wrong that you would do this in the first place, that you would take advantage of my rights and go beyond the boundaries of relationships and respect, that you would trespass. Tyndale went back to debts. So we've kept that tradition through history. But Jesus wanted us to understand that when you take on a right and you think that you can go beyond, it's a, it's a sin that rises up to the crime of high treason, a felony, and it is more serious than just financial debt. And that's what Jesus wanted us to say. In Latin, the word is debitus or debitoribus. Uh, and therefore, it means it's a violation and there's damage and there's real harm done. Economics is just economics. But Jesus wanted us to say that we're not only indebted because we didn't love, but we've offended. And therefore... Jesus would bring this out in his teaching. If you love those who love you, if you love those who love you, your universe is too small. What credit is that to you? Even sinner loves those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, again, financial debt, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. You see, everybody can enjoy the presence of Christmas. Everybody, good or evil, get good stuff at Christmas. But the real gift of Christmas is the gift of forgiveness. And so Jesus would go on, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Can you do that? Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Can you do that? That's not our nature. Our tendency is not to be merciful, but to be judgmental, argumentative, manipulative. But we're not as merciful as our Father. You see, one of the gifts of Christmas is that the Holy Spirit comes in, and he changes your thinking from self 
selfishness or being offended to being able to love the offender. And therefore, God has chosen those. And the mystery is this, that Christ in you enables you to love others, forgive others, even those Gentiles who are outside your universe. Therefore, the joy of Christmas is that mystery that moves to create and restore and repair through the light of Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through that salvation. It's too small a thing just to be concerned with your own. The Holy Spirit wants us as believers to move out and experience that joy and the power to be able to love those when we're not relying on our own power. But we have that power to discover, that power that comes from forgiving, that power that comes from learning how to fly, that power that comes from knowing what I was built for. And that's all this thing that we have new light for this old darkness. When we don't have the ability to love, Christ in you will enable you to reflect that light of his love. That's all about the goodness and grace. And so, so we have to move out of our own little world and be able to take that candle in our hearth and move it to people who are in darkness. That's called participation. We're going to be engaging this year coming up with that same image that Christ has to create opportunities, to move in opportunities, to minister to friends in ways that just reflect the love of God because we understand that God didn't die just for Christians. Jesus died for the whole world. And he's calling, wanting, loving everybody in the world. And guess what? He's going to be using you to reach them. Well, that's the good news of Christmas. As you, as you realize, oh, wounded bird, God will heal that wing. And that way we can fly beyond our universe. Discovering the joy of Christ, discovering the power of the Spirit to love people, that's coming up. That's what tactics is about. That's what next year is going to be about. So buckle your seatbelt because next year is going to be a great year. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we're headed for realms of glory. It's about glorious love. It's about love that pursues, love that redeems, love that repairs, love that heals. And you do that in each one of us. But Father, the reality is uh, there's some things inside of us that need more light. We would just ask you, Jesus, that this glorious season would continue as we reflect on our relationships and the image that we want to identify with is you. We want to be mirrors of Christ so that people see Christ fully. Lord, help us with that. And, and so we would say to you the Lord's Prayer again, thank you for, for forgiving us, thank you for redeeming us, and thank you for calling us to be uh, these little candles, these torches of grace that you make us uh, to be the light of the world because Christ is in us. Lord, bless us again. Protect us this week as we go. And may our relationships really be that kind of uh, kingdom um, 
have that kingdom touch. So, Father, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.